Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome into the Gigum 24 7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carver Carls and Michael Bratton, who's here to join us to break down this game between Texas AM and Ole Miss and look around at the rest of the SEC. Mike, thanks so, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to join us. Yeah, thanks for the invite. I appreciate you. Uh, appreciate you guys. Big fan of your work. Yeah, thank you. Um, big one, obviously, this weekend in, in Oxford between Texas AM and Ole Miss for so many reasons, you know. Obviously, the first one that probably jumps out to fans is the Lane Kiffin, Jimbo Fisher um, <laughs> angle. But I feel like there's so much to this game. Um, how do you see this game kind of matching up? Obviously, A&M's had their struggles on the road. Ole Miss um, had the one blemish against Alabama, but has otherwise looked pretty good. How do you see this game from a big picture perspective kind of matching up between these two programs? Yeah, and um, obviously you hit on it there, the Jimbo Lane Kiffin feud if you want to call it that but uh i mean you can't overlook dj durkin versus lane kiffin i think not that not that there's necessarily a uh, as big of a feud but i think that's an interesting matchup pete golding and and jimbo fisher have gone head to head many times uh obviously at a different school but uh so a lot of intriguing coaching matchups saturday uh in this game in oxford so you know I, i honestly think and i've been telling people people think i'm crazy but i think this is this is a real opportunity for Texas A&M to pull the upset. Now, I ain't never picking Jimbo to win a, another game after that performance against Alabama. I, I was made to be a fool on national television thanks to uh, that clown Jimbo Fisher. So I am not picking A&M, but they got the talent. They got some of the pieces. And, and really, Ole Miss, I, I know Lane Kiffin gets this reputation as like a quarterback guru and all this, and 
and they've been effective. I, I think Jackson Dart's had a really good year. Uh, they also, I, I believe they're the only FBS team with three receivers that have at least 500 receiving yards. So they, they do throw it around quite a bit, but the whole operation doesn't work without the ground game. And that was paramount to in their loss to Alabama. And it's why they nearly lost to Tulane. They couldn't run the football. So can A&M control that? I think they can, but which is why I'm kind of optimistic that A&M can pull the upset. Still not a, a big believer in Ole Miss, but I'm wrong about as often as I'm right. So, so I, don't, I can't tell, but uh, th- I think it's going to be a really good game. Mike, when you look at A&M this season, you kind of touched on it. Uh, Jimbo has had his moments for sure, uh, but what do you think has held this team back against Bama, Tennessee, Miami? Just sort of the when you've seen the bad version of A&M. We've seen some good versions of A&M, but what's kind of been the number one thing or, no, or a few things that have held them back? I'm, number one that comes to my mind is the offensive line. And I'm trying to figure out what the heck's the problem here because we got Steve Adazio, who, I mean, I'm not saying he's like great or anything, but his reputation, you'd think he could coach up some talented offensive linemen, but apparently that's not the case. Uh, you know, Connor Wigman, get, I, I think most of us, I don't know about y'all, but I, I think a lot of people uh, underrated what a loss that was because Max Johnson. I think he could make the case best backup in the SEC, but clearly that he he's no Connor Wigman. So that's hurt. I'm sure that's going to be the offseason excuse in College Station of why Jimbo's back for uh, another season. But uh, it, it, I would have fired his – I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. I would have fired his butt last year. So I, I don't care about these excuses, but that hurt us. Uh, I don't understand getting why Anaya Smith last week, was that was his first receiving touchdown. I mean – I think that's a travesty. We got to get the ball in his hands a lot more. Um, and the secondary, obviously, against Miami, I, I'm still having nightmares. That was another one where we all but guaranteed A&M was going to win against Miami, and we were dead wrong on that, too. So, like I said, I get a lot wrong, but there, there's a lot wrong with this Texas A&M football program, and I'm just I'm tired of seeing it. And I, I'm not even a, like a graduate. I don't understand anyone at this point that is defending Jimbo Fisher. When you look at this matchup, for me, they went A&M could have been more aggressive, right? And I think it, it it was talked about a lot in the weeks afterwards in that Alabama and the Tennessee game. I think there were opportunities to maybe be a little more aggressive in those games. When you're going up against Ole Miss in a game that, you know, you're probably going to need to score points to come out with a win. Is this the game you feel like A&M needs to maybe go for on a fourth down here or there or maybe – you know, squeeze a possession at the end of the half if they can. Is that is this that type of game you feel like for them? Yeah, and, and you know, to Jimbo's credit, uh, I mean, I think we saw some of that last week against uh, South Carolina, yeah. and we even saw that against, I'm trying to, all these games are blending together now, but I think it was Tennessee where they went for it on fourth down and Max Johnson got stepped on and he felt, so Jimbo's probably like, well, that's why I don't go for it on fourth down. Yeah. We can't execute it, but. Oh, God, I, I said the bad word. I'm sorry. So that, that's a Fisher bad word there. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, th- I think that's a, in part why they've not been able to beat Lane Kiffin. Uh, now, I'm not someone that that thinks that uh, you need to go for it on every fourth down, but clearly Lane Kiffin has embraced the the analytics and Jimbo has went the other direction. And that that's not the sole reason, but I, I would imagine that is in part why Lane Kiffin and his, and his Ole Miss team have had success against Jimbo because 
You know, he's playing the odds. He's playing the percentages to where Jimbo isn't. And Jimbo's had a better roster every single time that he's lost to Lane Kiffin. So, yeah, you got with your quarterback out, your starting quarterback, obviously, I'm talking about. I think you got uh, on the road, you got to go for it. You got to be aggressive. And had he done that against Alabama, they would have beat them. I, 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 I'll never back down from that. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, I, I wonder what you think of this defense because statistically it's one of the better AM defenses the last 20, 25 years. It's a little weird though, because they have had their moments. Like you mentioned Miami where it looked like they were playing on a skating rink or something. It just slipping around and missed tackles everywhere. Bama, Jermaine Burton, I mean, that's a game he'll tell his grandkids about one day. Uh, Tennessee was able to run the ball effectively. But then, I mean, they're doing stuff like against Auburn. It's like seven sacks. Uh, I think Arkansas, they had seven sacks. And they're they're doing things that I don't care who the competition is. You don't do that against weaker opponents. They, they're breaking records and, and things of that nature. So I'm wondering what you think of them because against really good teams, they've, they've struggled in some points. But – Overall, statistically, it's like one of the best defenses in the last 25 years for this program. Yeah, and again, not to, I mean, I'm not sitting here just Mr. Critical, but to me, that's coaching is the lack of consistency. Now, yeah, when you play upper echelon teams, are you going to dominate? Probably not. But uh, uh, again, giving up, what was it, 40 something of Miami, I mean, that you you just can't have that. And uh, LSU is, is, We'll probably do something similar unless the defensive front just completely takes over. And Ole Miss, obviously a very explosive team. So that's going to be a true test. But we just we just can't have it so lopsided one week after another. And I point to coaching on that. Uh, with the lack of consistency week in and week out for this A&M defense, they got all the pieces. And this is why I was so high on A&M in the offseason because of that front seven. And Edgerin Cooper, I mean, the, I don't know if you guys caught it because you're at the game, but on, on ESPN they were saying this guy's def- SEC Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, they were they were really touting him. So you got that kind of talent, yet it, it's not showing week in and week out across the board. Um, I, it's it's a very good defense, but not elite in my opinion because they're they're not stepping up against these some of these games they really need them to. When you look at Ole Miss, um, you know, the, I, Carter and I were talking about this before the show, you know, beat Vanderbilt pretty handily, but but struggled against Arkansas a little bit, struggled against Auburn a little bit. What do you kind of make about – what do you kind of make of them? And, and, you know, is this kind of a proven game for them as well? Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say. Uh, now, they've had a lot of guys banged up, uh, yeah. particularly at receiver, and uh, their tight end, Priest Corn, who – I'm trying to think of what game he came back. I think it was the Alabama game was his first game. He's, and, and that's something Lane Kiffin has really utilized. He, he they didn't have it last year, but it, but every other year he's had a tight end that uh, like Kenny Yaboa is another one. Um, I think they had a, a kid named Kelly a while ago. But uh, uh, having a, a really good tight end it just opens up so much in Lane Kiffin's offense, and I think that we have seen that with Priest Corn, who was a transfer from Memphis, come in. And they were hoping to get that out of, uh, out of the kid that they just booted from the team from Southern Cal. But 
with with the tight end healthy, with some of these receivers like Trey Harris, who's he scored four touchdowns, I believe, in the opener, and he got banged up. Now he's healthy. Uh, it, Ole Miss is starting to come along, and it, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier. If if they can run the ball, I think they can beat anybody. I mean, I I think they can beat Georgia. I really do, because I don't think Georgia is is Georgia of the last couple of years. Now, so, you know, just keep that on your radar. If they can run on Georgia, I think there's not a better running back in the country than Judkins. So, but he's he's another one. He's been banged up, and but now he looks healthy. The offensive line struggled again. Like I said, against Tulane, they had no push, and that was a huge red flag to me because – uh, Vanderbilt recruits better than Tulane. I, I know Tulane's a good program and all that, but they're they're not SEC caliber. Uh, they couldn't run the ball lick against Alabama, and it just they were just totally ineffective. So again, if A and M can hold, hold their own, if that front seven can be elite like we have seen them, they can win this football game. But if they let Junkins have their way, they're they're going to get blown out on Saturday. Mike, we mentioned it at the the top of the show. The the Lane versus Jimbo feud. It honestly, like, I have no dog in the fight. I think it's hilarious. Like, I, I'm entertained by it. I also think Lane. I'm sometimes I'm like, bro, like you're obsessed. Like, well, what is going on here? You're every other word is Jimbo out of your mouth. I, I wonder how do you take it as far as like, is it really that serious? Is he just kind of trolling? And then also, is it like, there's, does there come to a point where it's like? Dude, you're, you're talking about this guy way too much. Maybe chill out a little bit. No, I wish he'd do it more, to be honest with you, because that's <laughs> I'm just in this for entertainment value. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm yeah. I'm kind of like the Lane Kiffin of uh, SEC podcast, so I don't mind it uh, in the least, but I, I can understand why A&M fans uh, not like it, and I, I certainly think he cost his team against Alabama. So I, I think sometimes he runs his mouth too much because what he was saying – about Kevin Steele. I don't know if you guys are aware yeah. of this, but that, that was a planted mm -hmm. question. And he he got some insight into uh, the inner workings there at Alabama. Apparently Kevin Steele threatened to quit that week because they took away some of his duties. So he knew exactly what he was doing, but I think that sparked a fire under Alabama. And at, at some point, if Jimbo's got any pride, maybe that'll spark something in him. Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an X's and O's guy. I can't break it down like some of these analysts. But I hear a lot of people say that A&M brings out a different game plan for Alabama every year. And Now, maybe that's because Jimbo knows Saban's defense so well. But, hell, if, if he knows Saban's defense, he should know Pete Golding's defense. And, and maybe we see some of that this week because A&M is clearly, you know, they don't beat Alabama that often, but they hold their own annually against Alabama. Uh, so, you know, at some point, this has got to catch up to Lane Kiffin, but I appreciate every comment he gives me because it's, it's just material for me to run with. And uh, like I said, I'm I'm a lot like Lane in that aspect. I, I say a lot of things I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> Makes it entertaining, though, right? No, no doubt. As you mentioned, three one-score games in a row against Alabama the last three years. We're going to take a quick break and, and be right back with, with more from Mike. So stay tuned after a quick break. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back into the Gigum 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined by Carter Carls and SEC Mike, uh, Michael Bratton. Uh, Wanted to ask you about Max Johnson because obviously we we talked a lot about Connor Wigman in the opening um, half of the show and uh, you know Max Johnson coming off a good game against South Carolina but what what's he what have you made of it, of his play to this point? Well, I think he's tough as nails. I mean, I, I think yeah. that goes without saying. I mean, he's he's getting obliterated. It seems like week in and week out they got to do a a better job of protecting him. And I mean, I don't have to tell you guys, but seems like every year Texas A&M's quarterbacks uh, get lost for the majority of the season due to injury. So, I mean, uh, uh, the offensive line, the protection, whatever the issue is, it, something's got to get fixed because, I mean, he may not make it through the season. I, I think he will because, like I said, he's he's incredibly tough. But, um, man, he's – I mean, <laughs> I've never seen a quarterback throwing, falling down so, so much as Max Johnson. But – Clearly, he's a little limited in uh, arm strength, but and it doesn't always look pretty when he does it, but it's effective. And that's going yeah. back to his days at LSU, where he won some big-time games, including over a Florida team that was marching its way to uh, the college football playoff. He he got that one. Uh, I believe he outdueled Matt Corral. Then that was a 10-win Ole Miss team that uh, Matt Corral obviously went on to to get drafted in the NFL. So, I mean, he's he's a great – not great's too strong a word. But he's a very good quarterback, but I don't know how much help he's getting, and, and I think he would look even better behind a uh, competent offensive line. Mike, you look at the rest of the, the schedule for AM. You got Ole Miss, Mississippi State comes to town, then Abilene Christian. Then in Baton Rouge, where AM hasn't won yet uh, since joining the SEC, can they turn it around? What does turning it around look like for this team? And, and do you think winning these last 
I mean, and when you include South Carolina winning the last five games, does that give you confidence going into the next season in Jimbo Fisher? No, I, I think the way to turn it around is to fire Jimbo Fisher. And But I, I don't know who you give it to because you I don't think you can make Dirk in the interim. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly would not let Bobby Petrino have too much power because because Lord knows what will happen there. But, uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of kidding, but not really. I, I got no faith in them. I can, when's the last time they won a road game, a, a true road game? Uh, so they're going to they're gonna beat Ole Miss, who's in the yeah. top ten, and LSU, which is if they win this weekend against – which they may not, but if they do, they're going to be in the top 10. Uh, no, I'd, we're looking at seven and five. And again, that's fine for, I don't even think it's fine for Kentucky, but apparently they're happy with seven and five. Um, but this, this is Texas A&M and we've got all these great players. We got these great fans in an elite home field at, advantage. And we're in year six and we're sitting here saying, all right, seven and five. That's, Sadly, that is an improvement over last year. So, yeah. no, I, I mean, I I hate to be Debbie Downer, but I, I have no faith, no faith that Jimbo can is going to do anything of consequence. And, oh, yeah, it's just getting tougher because Texas and Oklahoma are coming in. So, no, I until they make a coaching change, I don't, I don't see much of a, a bright future uh, in College Station. Yeah, 2021 at Missouri, that was their last road win which is just crazy to think about what what do you think if just on that what do you think has held them back on the road because we we asked Jimbo this week about you know travel schedule and things like that them traveling on Thursdays and he said that's the best thing they do because obviously then you know take kids out of class and and all that what do you think when you look at just what they've done what do you think has held them back oh yeah I mean that's a tough question I've not really thought about it I mean they if they can get that Arkansas game to be home and home, they're right there. Yeah. It's an, an easy away win every uh, other year. Uh, not winning in in Starful, Mississippi. I mean that. My God, that's that's awful. But uh, yeah. there's there's a long line of awful things. Uh, I mean Neyland Stadium is no joke. Uh, so that's a tough one. I'm trying to think who did they catch out of the East last year. They um, caught South Carolina in that game that was just uh, that place was just rocking when. Right, and, and that opening there, kickoff so, touchdown, right? So yeah, so. yeah. But again, that's that's an awful loss. I mean, South South Carolina. I I know they caught fire at the end, but they're they're not any good either. So, uh, yeah. I mean that that's that's a very good question. But again, I I put it on Jimbo. I mean, this this is inexcusable losing losing to South Carolina. I losing to Tennessee, I think, is excusable. But again, would they allow two hundred and thirty something yard rushings? Two hundred thirty. Yeah, that's that's not excusable. I don't think not with uh, heck, I'm a Tennessee grad, but Joe Milton is I mean, you don't even have to respect him to, to throw the ball, really. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't know. I put it on the coaching. I really do. Crazy stat for you, Mike. 2016 was the last time Jimbo, a Jimbo coach team beat a ranked team on the road. 2016. Uh <laughs> Uh, we, we got to get r- rid of Ross Bjork too. What was that man thinking? Let him go to LSU. That that would have done you guys a favor. Yeah, I, no comment. I'm just gonna <laughs> next question. That one. one, yeah, good one. <laughs> but what I'll ask you because th- this is sort of where AM's fan base is at. I'm gonna put words in their mouth here, but there's two schools of thought. There, there's kind of your thought of like. You got to get rid of this guy. 
77 million. It's a sunk cost at this point. Like you're going to pay him no matter what. Why not just rip the bandaid off? Then there's the other side that's saying, this is the most talented A&M roster ever. If you fire that guy, so many of those guys are going to leave at a time where Texas and OU are joining the SEC. You got the 12 team playoff next year. A&M doesn't play Bama or Georgia next year. And their three biggest games, Notre Dame, LSU and Texas are all at home. So if you just gave them one more chance, maybe they can figure it out and build to something. But it's more kind of a, a worry of, oh my gosh, I don't want to lose all, I don't want to lose Evan Stewart and all these guys. And then all of a sudden, Texas is coming to town and, and, and beating you again. So where do you kind of lay on that? There's also the worry about who do you hire and you're paying $77 million for a guy. Can you afford a good coach? Yeah. Well, it's tough, yeah. It's, it's not an easy solution, no doubt. But basically what they've got is uh, they've got a shotgun wound to the chest, and the solution is not to put a Band-Aid on it. You know what I mean? You, 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 you have got to do major reconstructive uh, surgery to, to, to keep this patient alive here. And, yeah, I get it. I mean, it, there's going to be transition players Maybe we'll leave, but um, I mean, there's guys like Josh Heupel out there who hopefully this wouldn't happen at A&M, but about 30 players jumped into the portal and t Tennessee, because they hired the right coach, got better immediately. And then in year two, they were, they just took it to another level. Um, I, I don't think now I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not trying to totally discredit Jimbo because he is a, a very good recruiter, but I think Texas A&M recruits itself. And, uh, you know, let's not hide from NIL. I mean, the NIL is, is not going any, it's not leaving with Jimbo. So, um, no, I, I mean, I get it. it. It would be potentially a rough transition, but you're basically just punting till the next rough transition. It's going to happen one way or another. And we have just seen enough to where this guy is, he, he's not capable of, of delivering results. So, yeah, let's let's wait till next year, and then when they go six and six, then fire them. I mean, that's if that's what they really want. Uh, but I I think you could hire a number of coaches, and they'll get you to seven or eight wins next season, even if the schedule is difficult. Because anybody you're gonna lose, you you're just as likely to add players via. We've seen Brian Kelly come in and and, and re uh, remake his roster overnight, and they won the SEC championship in the West. Uh, I mean, there's there's plenty. Of, I mean, Lincoln Riley at Southern Cal. I mean, Deion Sanders. You know, just follow that blueprint, and and hopefully you don't have to go the Deion route and re replace 80 scholarship guys. I, I I certainly don't think that would happen, but I I think he, you can bring in the right coach, and he'll add pieces, and I don't think it'd be near as bad a transition as, as some people are concerned about. Good job, bye. Just the the follow up for me on on Ole Miss and and A and M, Mike. If you're if you're looking at obviously this A and M defense when they've been good so far this 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 year, it feels like it's been getting after the quarterback and pressure. Is that what you th do? You think you do that against Ole Miss? And try to kind of come after Jackson Dart as much as possible, and um, is that the strategy? You're obviously taking some risks, but um, is that kind of the strategy you feel like you, A and M has to take in this game to to win? Yeah, because I almost feel like uh, Ole Miss and all these weapons that they have that are now healthy, they should be at a major advantage over A&M secondary. So yeah. uh, I, I don't think you can just sit back and give them all the time in the world. And I would anticipate that given uh, 
Texas A&M's front that Lane Kiffin is probably going to, you know, kind of do the reverse and set up the pass to, to set up the run. Um, if that makes sense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think you have to come after him. I I really do. Mike, uh, last one from me. Uh, I watched you on Fine Bomb in July. I think, uh, yeah, SEC Media Days. I was in full agreement with you about Bama. I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to be a great Bama team. Coordinators aren't very good. Jalen Milrow. uh, I was with you. And here they are, one loss. We doubted Nick Saban. Look where we are again. But – LSU still got a chance to win the West. Ole Miss still has a chance to win the West. I think it's LSU. Who do you think is winning the West? And then does does that winner have a chance to beat Georgia in the SEC championship? Well, I'm going to say Alabama just because I don't want to get uh, murdered next time I go down to Tuscaloosa. But yeah, I mean it, it's funny how uh, a lot of those fans are like dancing on my grave when they've they've locked up nothing. And yeah, they may win the West, but they're, they'll, I think they'll get killed by Georgia in the SEC championship. And, and you're right, Carter. I mean, if they lose this weekend, they're, they're not even going to win a division. Uh, so they'll have, you know, they'll have a dynasty over the second place in the West. So uh, I, I guess that's the standard now in Alabama, but yeah, they, they have certainly made some strides. I mean, I did look, I looked pretty smart early when they lost to Texas and then just looked God awful against South Florida, but Jalen Milrose has, has, has progressed. Uh, the defense is great. Special teams, great. But they're still lacking a lot of weapons. I mean, I, I know J- Jermaine Burton had a great game against A&M. That, he's never had a game like that in his life. I don't think he ever will again. Um, it, none of the running backs are elite. The offensive line is, is a major, major issue at times. So I still see some flaws in this Alabama team, but if they if they go from right now and make improvements like they did at the beginning of the season, maybe I'm dead wrong. Maybe they can beat Georgia, but I I don't see it. Now, LSU, if they were to win this weekend, I think they can give Georgia a game. I really do because I, I said it already. I, I don't think Georgia is – I know they just waxed Florida, so everybody's back saying, oh, Georgia's number one. Florida's not any good. And I th- – I think in a shootout, I think LSU can beat anybody. Now, their defense is so awful. <laughs> they can lose to everybody, any good team I'm talking about here. They can lose to a lot of good teams as well. But I think they have a puncher's chance. I, I still would favor Georgia probably by a touchdown, maybe a little bit more over LSU. And over Alabama, I'd, I'd favor them by about two touchdowns, I think. Yeah, well, Mike, thanks so much for, for joining us. I know it should be a, it's another got a couple of great weekends of college football coming up, especially within the SEC as division title races start to heat up a little bit in both both the SEC West and the SEC East. Have a great weekend. Thanks so much for, for jumping on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good time, guys. When you
you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.